0: the bloody disgusting podcast network
2: no this
1: is creepy a podcast dedicated to sharing the most famous chilling and disturbing creepy pastas and urban legends in the world Whether these stories truly happened, or are simply fabrications, is for you to decide. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised.
2: Creepy Presents When the lights on the streets start to flicker at night It's a Warning to Stay Inside Written by Like I Did I grew up in the heart of Harvey Lane in a big house with perfectly painted window frames and the grass in the front that's always cut in the most symmetrical manner. The people that live in our town are the most helpful you could ever imagine. If a brick of your house is hanging only slightly loose, they'll come by and fix it right away. If your dog runs away, the entire neighborhood will be on the lookout. If you're down with a cold, your neighbor will be quick to ring your doorbell with a steaming pot of chicken soup. It's a community filled with kindness. And heartred. That's what my mother always says. It's her version of hatred. Because the latter does clearly not exist anywhere near Harfield. Despite the apparent perfection, I don't enjoy living here at all. I hate the appearance when deep inside I know that not everyone can be this happy and friendly all the time. I clearly know that I'm not. I haven't been ever since my father left my mother and me, just the day before my 14th birthday. Without saying goodbye or giving a reason, the last thing I heard of him was a big fight he had with mom. I don't know what they talked about just that the smashing of the door would be the last thing I'd hear from my dad. I imagine my mother would be sad, but she smiled nonetheless and told me how it was his own fault to voluntarily leave the most wondrous place on earth. It didn't take her long to find a replacement and get married again. Doug is even more enthusiastic than her and makes the bile in my stomach move up every time I talk to him. Two years had passed already, But I still couldn't warm up to Doug being around, not because he treated me badly in any way. He was always grinning and making dumb jokes, he'd cook dinner and help with my homework. On the outside he was acting great, but every time he was around my gut would scream that something was awfully off about him. Admittedly, I enjoyed my time in Harvey Lane when I was a child. Mom and Dad would take me to the playground and I'd play until my eyes could hardly stay open anymore and my feet were sore. That's where I met my best friend Elias, too. He had those types of eyebrows that always made him look a little mad, and I think as he grew up we both started to take on the anger we were missing here. Back then, though, we'd happily play all day while my parents sat on the grass with the other families to have picnics and talk about the wonderful life of Harville. Harville. If you looked at the people here, you might understand why they enjoy being here so much. There are no problems in our small town. We don't have poverty, violence, or anger. Everything's regulated, so you never have to worry, even if you're alone. Maybe the reason we never leave is that everyone that lives here is afraid of the reality of the world out there. Of course, that's only what it looks like on the outside. They don't speak about the disappearing children in public, after all. At first, I was too young to understand. Every year or so, there would be whispers about another girl or boy being lost without a trace. I would hear Dad speak to Mom about the dangers of Harvey Lane and feel the anxiety build up. These things happen everywhere, Marcus. You're simply more aware of it due to the contrast. It's easy to be upset by something when all you know is peace and harmony, my mother said in a melodic voice. It's easy to be upset when our children could be next, my father responded in a stern tone. That's about the time mom noticed I was eavesdropping. Her smile disappeared from her face for a split second. It was the last time they discussed the matter of the children at home. I, on the other hand, had lots of questions. But a night when I was in bed, Dad came up to assure me that I would never be in trouble. As long as you're back inside before the streetlights turn on. You will always be safe in here with your mother and I. Alright, buddy. He patted my head and moments later I forgot all about the only dark side of Harville. That was a long time ago. I was far beyond the age of being home by dark. And I knew for a fact that my dad would not be there when I got back. Honestly, I've been trying to spend as much time away from home as I could. I wasn't exactly afraid that whoever or whatever was making children disappear would take me next. I was almost an adult by now. Besides, Elias well, always said those kids weren't taken. They ran away because they couldn't bear this utopia that was more shine than substance. He wasn't wrong. If it wasn't for my only friend, who was the only cynical person I knew here, I would have been long gone as well. But with him, I somehow had gotten used to the simple life we lived here. I didn't know anything beyond it after all. Things were going pretty alright considering everything. The last disappearance had been months ago, and that was not framed as one. Dylan Dollins, a 13-year-old boy of one of the most well-known families around. The Dollins were always around when anything in town took place. Mrs. Dullens always organized the annual Christmas festivities. She gets the big tree for the town center, takes care of decorations, and leads the carol singers through the streets. Mr. Dollins is the head of the homeowners association. He's the one you need to talk to if you want the slightest change in the town. And he'll always forbid it, with the most friendly smile. They have four children, which are all extremely popular and pretentious. When Dylan suddenly stopped coming to school, everyone was told that he was sent to a prestigious boarding school across the ocean. We knew it was a lie, but nobody said a word. I think most parents were just glad their children were still around. After Dylan, we had a quiet phase concerning children, but an exciting season for Harville. There were even more festivities. The few streets with broken pavement were repaired. The town looked better than ever before, and its residents were so cheerful that it could hurt your eyes and ears. I gave up trying to talk to mom and dog about any of the issues. They always had different reasoning and would simply try to convince me to join a club a neighborhood party, or the Scouts. I'd stopped joining any events in town a while ago, and I tried to distance myself from my stepfather and mother as much as I could.
0: Hello, Bill Band here from the All 80s Movies Podcast to tell you about Factor Meals. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 and use code 80smovies50 to get 50% off. That's code 80smovies50 at factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 to get your 50% off today. Terms apply.
2: Ignorance can be bliss until the problem comes close enough for you to worry. It started with a flicker of a street light. the way they do when the light is close to dying down. The bulb is tattered, but not yet broken, a first warning sign that it needs change. As I continued walking down the empty street to my home, I passed the lamp with a flicker and looked up. Little insects were being attracted by the slowly vanishing light before it suddenly turned dark. It didn't feel too strange, except the same thing happened a few feet further on the second street light of Harvey Lane. I took a quick turn around, and the first light was shining bright. I kept walking and the flickering followed me. Every lamp I passed until I finally started running, right towards a pastel green door of my childhood home. I smashed the door shut, locked it three times, and carefully moved towards the window, my breath slow and my heart going fast. All the lights were off. I sighed and told myself that it must be a power outage. Those happen quite frequently here, but when I walked my fingers to the light switch next to the door, our home wasn't dark anymore. What are you doing here? My heart skipped a beat when I heard the deep voice behind me speak. Doug, what the fuck? I shrieked. Julian, my boy, you know we don't swear in this house. He said, his mouth formed into a half smile. Why were you standing in the dark? I asked, my voice still slightly shaky. You shouldn't be here, Julian. You know that, right? He said while moving a step closer. His face and voice both sounded friendly, but he was acting even stranger than normal. Not now, and not then. Um, where's mom? I nervously asked. Tonight's the town meeting. Things aren't going too well lately. Haven't you noticed more people being sick? The fields are too dry this year. It's, apologize my directness, sub-optimal. He was right. I had to bring soup to three different neighbors in the last couple of days despite people hardly ever getting sick in Harville. Why didn't you go with her? You never miss a meeting. I had another obligation. He stared at me the entire time he was speaking. I could swear he didn't even blink once. I felt incredibly uneasy being home alone with him. But to my luck, the doorbell saved me. It was Elias who came over to watch a movie together after he got set up for a date. I'd never been happier to see him. When we turned around, Doug wasn't around anymore. We heard the news in the morning. Jeanie, the girl that lived three doors down, was gone. This time, no bullshit explanation would be spreading through the town. This time, we knew exactly that something terrible had happened. We knew because the big blood stain right in front of her house. There was an investigation that, of course, led to nowhere. People were mourning, but they were doing it in the Harville way. Her parents didn't show a single tear, and nobody wore black, and everything in town went nice and swell, even more than usual. There was no need for bringing soup. The streets were clean, the grass was green, and the weather warm. Life moved on quite quickly. Everyone seemed to forget, but Elias and I didn't. All this time, we thought we were safe now that we were older. But Jeannie was already 17, and I felt even more messed up knowing that I had been out there, right on that exact street the same night it happened. Was it somehow connected to the streetlights? The following week, Elias and I decided to do something we had never done before. We went to a town meeting. It started at 8 p.m. I knew both Mom and Doug would be there and after last week I'd been avoiding them as much as possible, especially when I saw the big bright smile on Mom's face when she prepared scrambled eggs while nonchalantly speaking about the girl that we lived next to disappearing. I could bet I saw her eye twitch a little when she spoke about how hard it would be to clean off the blood, but that was all. We cycled down to the town hall, but made sure to leave our bikes a street further to make sure nobody would see us. Nobody under the age of 18 is allowed at the meetings. When we were sure that everybody was inside, we quietly made our way to the front hall. It was empty. They were all in the big meeting room. Maybe this is a bad idea, I whispered. Shh. Elias quietly walked up toward the doors, which were open just a crack. He waved me over and I reluctantly moved closer. They're all clapping, Elias whispered as we hunched down next to the door. A big Harville congratulations to the Murrays. The clapping became louder and cheering followed. The Murrays were the parents of Jeannie. We are all so happy to have you as a part of our community. We know best how wonderful the honor of sacrifice is. Mr. Dullin spoke. All, all our families, families have, given, have given, and we, we all receive, just the, the way, way it should, it should be. be. My heart was racing, and I wanted, no, I needed, to hear about what kind of satanic ideas they were preaching. But after the bit of cheering, they went on with the regular program as if nothing had happened. Sacrifice? What the actual Fuck. Elias almost shouted after we made our way back outside. I stayed quiet for a while. I'd known for a long time that something was off about the picture-perfect appearance of Harville. Just not how bad it was. The parents here give up their children to have... What? A nice neighborhood? My entire body was shaking. That night... I mumbled... I think I was supposed to disappear. I thought about the streetlights. If I hadn't been freaked out by them so much, I wouldn't have run home. It was almost like something was trying to warn me. Or someone. And maybe my dad didn't leave voluntarily either.
1: For more information, including pictures and videos of the stories told on this podcast, please visit creepypod.com. If you'd like to submit a story for consideration or recommend a story, please see our submission page at creepypod.com slash submissions. All stories told on this podcast are done so through Creative Commons share-alike licensing or with written consent from the authors. No portion of this podcast may be rebroadcast or otherwise distributed without the express written consent of the Creepy Podcast Production Team and the story's author.